Welcome to the business of being well. If you're a hands-on practitioner who wants to grow a profitable business without working your life away, you're in the right place. So sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. podcast today. Um, And I'm surprised actually that we haven't done this before. Well, two new things. One, there are two guests on the show (laughs) with me here and they are chiropractors in the UK. We've never had chiropractors from the UK on the show before. So this is pretty cool. We get two chiropractors, not just one from the UK today. They are Alicia and Wendy. They're partners in their practice. They also help other chiropractors with their practices. So they're going to introduce themselves and we're just going to dive into their story from there. Who wants to go first? Oh, shall I I go first, Alicia? Yeah, yeah, go for it, Wendy. (laughs) Oh, well, hi, everybody. Thank you, Dr. Danielle, for having us on your podcast. It's it's awesome. It's awesome to like to be here and, and to chat internationally. This is really cool for us as well. So, so hi, so I'm, I'm Wendy and I'm one half of a, of a, of a, a very chiropractic, we're a, a chiropractic practice in the, the north of England in the UK and uh, our practice has been going for, what is it now, about 15 years now, Liz? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 15 years. So myself and Alicia, we, we are UK chiropractic graduates. So we graduated in like 2002, so Few, few years back and over the years we worked for other practices and then we made we joined our own practice in 2006 we uh, decided to join forces and, and start our first practice together and uh, since then we've added you know team members and grown our associate associates around us we've had associates that have that stayed with us many many years some that have gone off to have their own practices and started their own successful practices and, uh, and we just love you know incredibly proud of all of them for all the all the successes that they've done and then in recent years, we've uh, we've after we've yeah, so we keep, we have our own practice. We're still running. You know, we love we love to grow. And uh, and in the last few years, we've uh, concentrated more on uh, the coaching side of things. So as you were saying, Dr. Daniel, we've uh, we've, we've you know we've started to branch out and uh, help other practices to kind of uh, grow their practices like we have and add on more associates. And uh, it's great. We get we get a nice balance now, don't we? Liz? So we kind of we're chiropractors, but we're also coaches and mentors, and it's a really nice balance to have. Definitely, definitely. And thanks, Dr. Danielle, for having us on your podcast. It's a real pleasure for us. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I think it's worth sharing that as we're recording this right now, it's only 2.16 p.m. for me, but it's 8 p.m. for you. (laughs) So it's quite late in the evening. And when we were first here on Zoom together before we were recording. I asked Alicia what time it is. And she told me, and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel guilty for having you work this late in the evening. Um, but I'm thankful that you were able to make it work. So, oh yeah. Oh, no, it's been okay. a pleasure. We, we, we used to work in all sorts of crazy hours, aren't we, Wendy? I think, I think probably most business owners can relate to that. You know, you're, you know, so like a lot of people think they work like nine to five, but when you run a practice and a business, you end up working more hours than the, than just the nine to five. So, but honestly, it's a pleasure to be here. We're so, we're so thankful. Thank you for having us. I'm really impressed that you started a practice together in 2006 and it's 2021 and you still work together. Yes. <laughs> Starting your practice together can be like 
marrying someone and um most people know marriage is not easy and I think that now I've not started a, a practice or any business with a partner but I think that from my experience with mentoring people who have it's even more challenging than marriage <laughs> so I want to hear from you how you have made this work so long and so well. Cause I can just tell from your faces that you like working together. You're not even in the same space <laughs> right now, but you like each other. Yeah, it's been, we're very, when people know us, they think we're very, very different. And we are in many respects, but when it comes to business and chiropractic, we think so similarly that everything we, we know where each other's coming from when we're implementing things, when we're changing things. We know because we're both, we've both got the same vision for the practice and the same vision for the, for the business, isn't it, Wendy? Oh, it's true. And it probably, probably also helps that we've known each other for like, we, we, we studied together. So we've known each other for years and years. And, I, and it is it's quite funny. It's a lot like a marriage. So you have to ask Alicia. Alicia's married. I, I'm not. But uh, to see ask for how, how similar it is but uh, but it's so true I think you know you have your ups and your downs and and uh we, we as I said we're quite different personality types but we but we what aligns us is our is our kind of like philosophy on chiropractic and our philosophy on business and uh and that's what bonds us together and has kept us kept us sane over all these years I think <laughs> so tell me what was it like when you started your practice together what did things look like in your practice at that time with the two of you both being chiropractors having a brand new business was it just the two of you working together or how did you get started yes so in 2006 we took over a small practice so we've seen on our first week we had 40 patients booked in that week um, so it's myself and Wendy and actually my mum came to work with us as a CA on the front desk. Um, myself and Wendy were working uh, part-time in another chiropractic practice and then commuting two hours every day between the two to build our own practice up from 40 a, 40 a week. And in the building we were first in, we had just three big rooms and a kitchen. And by the time we left that building, because we've moved the practice now, by the time we left that building, we divided every room and made an extra adjusting room in every room. So we had an x-ray machine, we had um, three adjusting rooms. So we definitely maximized the space we had, but we we just overgrown it. We had to move. And now we've moved. Uh, we've moved into a four-story four building, 1,600 square feet. We've got two massage rooms. We've got a spinal decompression unit. We've got an x-ray unit. And we've got five adjusting rooms. So it's just massive. And we've gone from seeing 40 a week to... Our bestest, bestest week, I think, was six fifty a week. Wow! Now, some people in our audience are going to hear six hundred and fifty patient visits a week. Oh, I'm out of here <laughs> 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 because they don't envision that for themselves at all. Because in their mind, that's a lot. I mean, and for me too, that that would be a lot of people to see. Um, but you don't do it all alone now. No, we don't. 
no we definitely don't so we're so we have a, a really great team of massage therapists we will we work alongside and five chiros that we work alongside so myself and wendy we no longer adjust in the business or in the practice we don't adjust at all we really concentrate on growing the practice trying to help as many people as we can by expanding our reach and then our chiros that work in the center they they help they service the patients that come they adjust them they help them they get them back to health and keep them that way what was your experience like in that transition from the two of you being the people who saw and took care of all of the patients in your practice to other people being the ones who took care of your patients? I, f- I feel like a lot of people struggle with that because, you know, chiropractic is so unique to each practitioner. And like at one school, we're all taught to adjust the same way, but especially after a decade or two in practice, the way that I adjust is going to be a lot different than the classmate that sat beside me. So it's like someone might like my handwriting and think that your handwriting is ugly or vice versa, right? Even though it says the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's so true. I mean, like, I mean, I think it's about, we've been, we've been, we'd had our own practice for I think about a couple of years, wasn't it? This before we took on our first, our first assignment. Yeah. And you're so right. We had our own ways of doing things. And we and we kind of we've always been mentored. We've always been big fans of being coached. And so we've always had mentors right from pretty much from when we graduated. And uh, which we learned a huge amount from and thank you so much to all our mentors that we've had in the past. Big props to you guys, because we wouldn't be where we are without them. But uh, so we we know we knew a lot. And uh, when we took on our first associate, we just thought you know we thought you know because we, we were rocking and rolling we were probably you know seeing you know about 120 kind of visits each myself and Alicia over you know over the week and uh and we took an our first associate and we just thought you know if he just watched us you know watch what we were doing you know followed us around he would just absorb all our input all the knowledge from us he'd you know he you know he'd, he'd realize what needed to be done and uh it soon became pretty clear didn't it Liz that actually we really it, that wasn't going to be good enough we'd have to actually properly sit down and mentor our associates and spend time with them you know just letting them watch us wasn't enough we need to sit down and kind of like really kind of educate them as to how what the why behind what we do so they kind of understand that and they can incorporate that into their kind of like into their education I think that was a big wake-up moment for us when we realized that we that yeah we have to you have to kind of train train and spend the time spend the time get to know their weaknesses get to know their strengths and really kind of help build them as chiropractors and give them the knowledge that they needed to kind of grow and expand themselves as well. Just having them into watch you wasn't wasn't good enough. And I think one of the things that really, we had a real light bulb moment on was um, reading the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Mm -hmm. We read the E-Myth and all about systematization and how to grow and and it was just a real light bulb moment and then from then on we're like right we've just got to we document everything we're doing and why we're doing it so anybody coming in can understand right why are we doing that then and how are we doing this and made life much much easier it does and yet I feel like it's really hard to do when you first start doing it because well if you're like me systems details are not my strength. I'm like, I see big picture. I see the future. I want to just go make that future happen right now. And I want to just like go on to the next thing and make that next thing happen. Right. And then 
and not have to worry about the details. Um, but creating systems and like you said, documenting everything you do doesn't come naturally to me. I don't know if, if most people feel that way or not, but um, it's certainly like a thing I've trained myself into and it pays off big time. It takes a lot less brain power to do things <laughs> when you know exactly what it is you're supposed to be doing instead of recreating the wheel every time. So that I'm sure plays a part into why your associates now are successful because you've used that same approach with them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My kids are making a lot of noise upstairs. You can probably hear them. Yeah, we very we're very systematized and, and it just for the for the associates it helps takes the pressure off them because they, a lot of the time they're coming out of university and they're trained to adjust, but they're not necessarily trained on patient management and and, and if, say, a patient asks them an awkward question, they're not sure how to answer it. They, they, I don't know if it's the same in the US, but in the UK, the actual premise of chiropractic, so the body healing itself, healing takes time. It's not something that's particularly reinforced frequently at college, or are, my impression is. So they're, they're thinking they might see a patient and two sessions in they're not getting any better and panic kicks in and but you've just yeah. got to go back to that the premise of chiropractic and the body healing itself and it takes time and the right conditions and a massive difference and, and just incorporating that into our training program and helping explain the why behind everything it's, it's really taken the stress out for the associates hasn't it Wendy? Uh, I think it's been a massive it was a game changer for us we as Alicia said, we, and, and you're quite right, Dr. Danielle, it took us forever to write down everything, everything. I mean, months and months of, you know, you know, we're talking about kind of like, you know, when you're a business owner, you're, uh, you're kind of like your working hours aren't nine till five. You know, we were working up to midnight and beyond, you know, to, you know typing, typing, typing all our, all, you know, all our knowledge into, into kind of like programs and systems and methods and blueprints that, our team and our associates could use as tools to kind of really kind of avoid the pitfalls that we'd that we'd fell into to kind of as you quite rightly said you don't need to reinvent the wheel you just need to realign it and I think so D'Angelo said that I think so I love that quote and uh and it's so so true and uh so we so we systematized everything but everything down but it did take a long long time and you were you were saying so about yourself that um you perhaps aren't such a detailed person it's something that you've had to kind of like learn and uh, I, I hear you, I'm not a huge details person, but uh, I, I knew that right from the beginning. So I, I partnered up with somebody who is. <laughs> and that's a list is very much into the detail. <laughs> well, yes, that's a big part of what has made creating systems in my business possible and successful is the director of operations in my business. That is her strength is the details and the follow through and, um, you know, just making repeatable systems for things. And um, at first she was like, when she was creating those systems, I was like, whoa, I don't know if I like this, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just trusted the process. I knew that it was necessary for us to continue to grow. So um, I let 
I let her, like, I say that I let her, I mean, like I had to like <laughs> take myself out of the picture and just <laughs> give her the authority to do what she needed to do and trust that she was going to be better at this than I ever could be. So it was very much about having the right person alongside me that I trusted fully to be able to do that. Yeah. I know. I think one of, one of our mentors always says this, that the biggest block in your business is you. Sometimes you just have to get out of the way and let somebody else that can do that, that job, that role, fulfill that project much better than you can. I think yeah. we all, when we start our own businesses, you, you kind of, you think you can do everything, you know, and you want to do everything, but actually sometimes and, and quite often other people can do certain things better than you. You just got to get out of the way and let them get on and do it. Yeah, exactly. We, we are the bottleneck. So that ties into what we were talking about earlier with, you know, your practice serving 160 patients a week. If you had never had the vision for growing your business bigger than what it was when you were each seeing a 120 patients a week, you could have continued to be the bottleneck, meaning like you could have continued to be the thing that slows down the growth of your business. And sometimes I see businesses as separate from the business owner and like the, it has its own soul. It's like its own entity. The business wants to grow and thrive and like it, it could, it could go bigger than your wildest, wildest dreams, but because you have all these fears and self-doubt and limiting beliefs, you hold it back. Yeah. <laughs> your head's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it got to the point where myself and Wendy, we were, we were turning new patients away. We didn't have enough time to see the, the new patients that had come in and, and, and provide the course of care we recommended for them. But we were thinking, well, we can't take anybody on yet because we're not busy enough. We've not got a three-week waiting list. We've only got a two-week waiting list. We need a three-week waiting list before we can take somebody on. But, oh, we, we, we realised only and not that long ago, in the last five, eight years, that I think once you're at 70% capacity, that is the time you take someone else in. You bring someone else on. And once we realized that, we reflect, we looked back and thinking for years, we were just turning people away and thinking we're not busy enough to take somebody on. And the most frustrating thing was these new patients we were turning away, they were going somewhere else and we knew they weren't getting the results they would have got if we'd have had space to see them. So it was so frustrating, wasn't it, Wendy? And, and, yeah. and the, yeah. we, it's just, yeah, it's just a because my analysis goal is to help as many people as we could. And, and, you, and you're so right, you, we, we reached a ceiling, you know, we realized that, you know, I mean, perhaps we could have worked like 24 hours a day and we would have helped more people doing that, but it's just physically impossible. There's only, you've got to eat and you have to sleep, you know? And so uh, there's only so, you know, you've only got two pairs of hands. So it gets to the point when you reach plateau and you can't actually physically see any more people. and. Uh, and we did procrastinate. I think, you know, we, we could have taken on our first associate earlier than we did. But uh, but we, as Alicia said, we were too, we were like, oh, no, we're not busy enough yet. Or, you know, so but we've only got a two-week waiting list. You know, we need to have a longer waiting list to take somebody else on so they'll be busy when they join us. But, uh, but yeah, we realised in the last few years that, you know, 70%, once our chiropractors are 70% busy, then we, then, we, then we know we can help more people by taking on another, another associate to join our team. Let's become a system for you. A formula that you can repeat, yeah. right? Is that yeah. when when your most recent hire 
um, of, of an associate has reached 70% of their capacity and it's time to hire the next person. It's definitely one of the things we look at, definitely. But I think now, I think because our marketing program is so robust, we know that we could have eight or nine chiros working in the practice and we'd, we'd be able to generate enough new patients for those eight or nine chiros. But in the UK, I don't know if you know this, Dr. Danielle, or if it's like this where you are, but there's more jobs than chiropractors. So recruiting is, is people really struggle to recruit. There's not enough people graduating from the colleges. Wow. Um, the demand is just sky high for it. There's so many people out there that need chiropractic, but not enough chiropractors to service all these people. So our marketing plan is really robust. We've got space in the practice for eight or nine chiros, but the graduates are only coming out once a year. You, you can, it's hard in between the time they graduate to recruit. So it's only really once a year you're looking at that recruiting process and like, right, okay, let's, let's go to the colleges, let's try and recruit stick the advert out in the in during the year and, and hope that maybe someone wants to come from the states to the uk or from europe to the uk but yeah definitely more jobs in kairos that's amazing and i would say no we don't have that situation in the us overall we have a lot more students graduating from school than what there are positions available for them to work as ah. associates so I would say this is just like my intuitive, my subjective assessment, not an objective assessment. Um, it's that a lot more people start practices than what maybe would actually want to. There's probably a lot of people that would want to work as an associate, but feel like they can't find the right position, the right fit for them to work as an associate. So they start a practice. Yeah. Interesting. I would have never thought there would be such a difference. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, we, you know, yeah, it's like, I think I'm, I'm trying to think how many graduates we have in a year in the UK, but it's, uh, but it's not enough. And, and it's quite a sad thing because sort of like, uh, I think in a, in a flip reverse, it must be sort of like so different in the US because if you feel that you can't like, I know when I graduated, I really wanted to join a team because I knew I'd learned so much from being in a team environment and joining like seasoned chiropractors that have been there, done that, worn the t-shirt, and I could just learn from them and be like a sponge. So how scary it must be to be like a new grad and suddenly not only are you, because you know you build, it's like learning to drive a car, isn't it? You kind of, you really learn how to kind of like talk to people and manage patients and really grow as a chiropractor once you've passed your exams. And, uh, and to imagine kind of like having to cope with that and start to run a business as well, you, you know, because they don't, I don't know if it's different in the US, so, but, but in the UK, not a huge emphasis is put on kind of like business uh, training. So chiropractors, when they leave uh, chiropractic college, they have no real business acumen at all. And wow, to think, to think of kind of graduate and then suddenly being thrown into that world as well as trying to become a chiropractor and learning, God, that must be so scary. It is. Yeah. And... You're right. Yes. There's not much business training within our chiropractic programs in the U S um, now most schools will say that they offer business classes. I had an undergraduate degree in business administration and marketing, and I learned more in my undergraduate degree than I did in chiropractic school, but even my undergraduate degree didn't really prepare me to work 
period, or run a business of my own. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, there's like so much, isn't there, to like running a business than then that you think sort of like and until until you have run your own business, you have no idea the number of hats that you have to wear as a, as a, as a business owner, you know, you're the, the finance person, you're the HR person, you're the, the marketing person, you're the, you're the person that kind of like gets patients, you know, so you're sales person, it's, you're, you're, all, you're all of those things. Plus you, you're doing your very, very best to help people get well and stay well. So there's yeah. a lot going on. Yes. So tell me more about what the transition was like for the two of you as you through your practice, you're now bringing on associates and realizing they need to have more in-depth training with you. At a certain point, you decided to remove yourselves from patient care. How did, how did you come to the decision to do that? It was kind of yeah. gradual, it really? Yeah, yeah, it was. I think we'd, we'd worked a lot of hours over the years hadn't we and it just built up and built up and we'd taken on some associates and, and they were becoming busy and I think it just got to the point where you become like Wendy was saying you become the block in your own business so because we were spending so much time adjusting we couldn't we there was not much time to spend so we were spending so much time working in the center that we didn't have much time to work on the center yeah and we knew that working on the center would it would really grow the practice to help as many people as we could. So although we were helping people by adjusting them, we knew we could help much more or more people by working on the practice and trying to improve our community outreach. And then we just, it became very gradual. I think we went from five days to four days, to three days, to two days, and then... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then the process can be hard for people because it's not only a change in your work schedule or in the amount of time you have free time or not free time, but it's also a change in your identity. Like you have to yeah. see yourself differently. For all these years, you've seen yourself as the care provider in your business for your patients, and then you transition to an entrepreneur, really, and and thinking even bigger. Um, but, but there's also, I'm sure that, well, I don't know if this applies for you, the two of you, but I know from other people and even myself, like taking yourself out of the delivery of the care for the patients can really trigger your ego. Cause you're like, but, but nobody can do it as good as I can. Yeah. And can I really trust that other people are going to take care of the patients the way that I do? Right. But that goes back to being the bottleneck in your business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you find yourself thinking that and behaving that way. <laughs> so then the next phase for you, as you freed up more of your time with your associates caring for patients was to start mentoring other chiropractors. Yes. All right. So tell me more about what that looks like for you now. Sorry. Carry on, Wendy. Of our, we, we are honest, you know, we're passionate chiropractors, me and Liz, you know, you, you, you'd be hard pushed to find more, you know, two more people that love chiropractic as much as we do. As I said, we think it's the world's best kept secret that the kind of like the, the, the absolutely amazing sort of like results that you get from chiropractic, you know, just you know, beyond getting people out of pain, but the really cool and crazy stuff that happens later on. It's just phenomenal. We love it. We love it. We love it. 
but uh but what we've really sort of like started to enjoy in these last last few years is the coaching side of things and it's so nice to kind of be able to pass you know sort of like the information you down and and it's so and it's you were talking about sort of like you know ego can get in the way a little bit you know when you're kind of you're thinking sort of like ah oh, you know people don't need you know you get used to people needing you in a way so like you go in it's really nice to go in and people are like oh you know Dr Winnie it's so good to see you thank goodness you're here and uh and you do you can get quite addicted to that I think so stepping away from that can be quite a quite a big a big step but we just so we just love the coaching side of things because people are so appreciative and thankful that uh, of, of the of the kind of like the information that we can give and the help that we can give so it kind of gets a nice balance then you get you get you get you get your, your love in a different way and I think we, like I said, it's our aim to help as many people as we could and we can help in the practice. We're helping as many people as we can at the minute, but we realise that by helping other chiropractic practice owners, we could help that many more people. And I mean, we'd go into certain practices or we'd, we'd hear certain things and think, oh, if only they could just tweak what they're doing slightly, I'm just, I know they'd get better results. And, and it came from there, um, some, one of our friends asked us, oh, do you do coaching? This was years back before we'd started. And we're like, yeah, we coach our team. And, and she said, well, would you consider coaching my team? And we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll give it a go. And, and it went from there and we realized, oh, we can help so many more people this way by helping practice owners tweak things, change things. And, and we're learning all the time as well. I don't know about you, Dr. Danielle, but even when you're coaching clients you learn from them as much as they learn from you as well yeah go ahead Wendy sorry I was sorry I was going to say they say that the the teacher learns the most and I think that's so true you know when you when you have to teach others you learn you learn so much yourself and I suppose it's that classic you know as Alyssa said we wanted to help as many people as we could and it's that classic of you know you drop a pebble in the pond and you never know where the ripples will ripple out and what lives that you touch that way so we love to kind of like you know we love to help people as much as we can and uh, it's just so it's so gratifying and we're so proud of like of the clients that we have and the results that they get in and they, they've worked so hard to get where they are and just oh just so proud of them all what are some of the biggest mistakes that you have seen chiropractors make in their business oh Great question. Um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot because I didn't prepare you for that question, but it just (laughs) came to me right now. One of the things I know we've talked about earlier on, but I think one of the things is definitely lack of systems. Definitely lack of systems. And then assuming people know what they're doing. So they kind of throw them in, not much training, and then assume that just because you do things the way you do it, that they're going to do it exactly the same. But if you've not trained them and if you've not got a system for it, then it's not going to happen. That's one big thing. The other thing is um, a lack of KPIs, so key performance indicators. So not measuring certain things. So uh, Pearson's Law, whatever is measured and reported on improves exponentially. Yes. So just looking at your stats every week, right? How many new patients are you seeing? How many visits are you seeing? Um, how, much, how many members have you got? If you've got a membership, how many, if you're selling care plans, how many care plans are you selling? How many leads are you generating on your buying marketing? How many leads are becoming new patients? And once you're measuring things, you can see where things are going wrong and you can see what you're doing well and you need to do more of. 
So that is definitely a pitfall with not measuring KPIs, um, mm. lack of systems, and I think procrastination. I think procrastination is a big one because I think I think as business owners, you you you're almost scared to make a mistake. So you might procrastinate if you need to make a decision between two things, you might procrastinate on it for quite a long time. Whereas if you just went for one option and it was the wrong option, you'd you'd know very quickly and then you'd move very quickly on to what the right option was. Whereas procrastination, you could stay in the same state for months and months and months and still be no further down the line. But I'd say those three things, the procrastination, the lack of KPIs and the lack of systems. I see the same things all the time. And I know that for many people, they, when they think about systems in their practice, they get kind of like, Oh, but I don't want to do that. That feels, um, gross, (laughs) gross in the way of like, um, it takes the personal touch out of things. If they do the same thing, the same way, every time, what would you say to that? I was, going to, I was going to talk about the chocolate cake, Liz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, one, of, one of our mentors uh, way back when sort of like said, um, sort of like system, having systems is a bit like having a recipe for a chocolate cake. And uh, sort of like, you know, if I, if, if I had a recipe for a chocolate cake and I, and I gave Alicia a recipe for a chocolate cake, it's the same recipe, make the same chocolate cake, but maybe on my chocolate cake, I'm going to put like little silver baubles on it. And Alicia might say, I like to put little chocolate sprinkles on my chocolate cake. So we give both our chocolate cakes to sort of patients to eat and they're both going to taste, you know, the chocolate cake. It, you know, that's, you know, but, but maybe they might just prefer Alicia's flavour on it a little bit or they might prefer my flavour on it a little bit. But the structure is the, the, structure is the same. I think it's a, it's a blueprint, isn't it? It's a guideline to kind of, to give people direction to get to a, the end result, which is the chocolate cake. You, don't want, you want a chocolate cake and not a vanilla cake, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and that's part of growing the size of team that you have as well. And when you have multiple associates in your practice, and I would assume that you want patients to be able to see any of your doctors in your business, uh, creating those kinds of systems where everybody bakes a chocolate cake. Not everyone's making like, well, or one person's making a chocolate cake. Someone else is making a marble cake. Someone else is making a vanilla cake over here. They've got a lemon cake going on <laughs> then the patients are like i only want the lemon cake I yeah only, i only want the vanilla cake don't give me that chocolate cake <laughs> right everyone's making the same flavor so then the patients expect the same thing every time yeah exactly and it was it was definitely how we've been able to step back from the practice in terms of adjusting because everybody's delivering our chocolate cake. Like when you said it's a framework, they're not delivering marble cake. No, it's a, it's a chocolate cake. So I kind of want to go eat chocolate cake now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <Still> hungry. <laughs> okay, another well, thing that you would mention is not measuring KPIs or what we would often refer to as statistics in the US, like not measuring statistics in your practice. And if you're not measuring those statistics and you don't really know where you are, but women often are not looking at statistics. And I'm sure that this applies for everyone else too. And, and I'm curious what you would say about this. Like what, what comes up for your clients when you talk about measuring KPIs and they're like, no, I don't, I don't ever want to look at that information. I don't want to know. 
Yeah, that's a good question. They kind of, I think, I think it's the context in which it's described makes a big difference as well. So I think once you know where you are and where you want to go, you can make a plan to get there. Yeah. But unless you make, a, unless you know where you are, you can't make that plan. It's like bumbling around in the dark. So yes. knowing where you are and then have, and having goals that you want to reach, you can make little tiny steps. You can set little goals along the way and make to make sure you achieve the goal you want. Yeah, so it's a bit it's a bit like kind of trying to learn to sail a yacht, you know, you're on, you're on your yacht and uh, you're on the seven seas and you've got, even if you've got like an island, a destination to be going to and, and, and a fixed navigational route to that, to that kind of like to that island, you could be the winds and the, and the, and the swell of the ocean will just batter your boat all over the place and it'll take you forever to get to the island. Yeah. But if you've got, if you're measuring the steps that you're going to, you can, you can use like, like the stars or, well, you know, you look at the stars and can plot your, plot your route that way. We say your KPIs are like your stars. So that once you can, once you've got your one star, then you know, you're looking for the next one, the next one, the next one, it'll lead you to the island that you want to get to. But uh, I think also the great thing about statistics is that um, it also takes the emotion out of things for you as yeah. well. Yeah. Because we sometimes can be, you know, thinking they'd be quite scary. It's almost like fear of the unknown and we put things off. But actually, if you've got it in black and white, you can make, a, as Alyssa says, you can make a plan. But you need to know where you are first before you can navigate to where you want to be. And the over thing and over and over again, I find that to be the case where, where people are avoiding looking at the KPIs because they're afraid of what that information might tell them. And then in most cases, when they actually do look at the objective information, they're like, oh, whew. it's not as bad as I thought. I'm like, no, it's not. that's awesome. So now imagine how much better you can be doing if, you, if you're looking at this information on a regular basis. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the thing is, so say, so say I was seeing one new patient a week and my aim was to see one new patient a day. If I'm seeing one new patient a week this week and then next week I'm seeing two, that's one step closer to my goal of five new patients a week. It's a win. And when you get a win, you get a release of serotonin in the body. Yeah. And when you get that release of serotonin, your body wants more of that. So another little step, that's three. Oh, that's another win. That's another serotonin boost. And you're in a flow then, you get into a flow. And then when you're in that flow, it just grows and grows and grows, isn't it? And it does you know that's the thing it kind of like it's amazing how how each one builds on on the one before and it just grows and grows amazing well i'm so glad that we connected because there are a lot of commonalities that we have with um how we support other chiropractors despite being on opposite sides of the world <laughs> and in very different time zones so if someone that's listening to this would like to learn more about you and about what you do, where's the best place for them to find you? Best place to find us probably on our on our on our, our Facebook page or uh, on our on, so like, which is which is Leon Tiff and Davis. They can find us find us on there. Uh, we're pretty we're pretty active on our on our on our face on our Facebook page. So uh, yeah, they 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 kind of like search for Leon Tiff and Davis. That all our contact details are on on there, and and we'd well, love to help you guys. And there's always our work, our, our centre page as well. So berrycairo.co.uk. So b-u-r-y cairo.co.uk, and you'll see us on there, and you can connect with us that way as well. 
Awesome. Well, thank you both again so much. It's almost 9 p.m. your time. So I don't want to keep you up later <laughs> or working <laughs> later. Um, but but really, thank you for being willing to do this and making the time as well. Oh, thank you for having us. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Oh, we've loved it. Thank you so much. We loved the opportunity and uh, it's been great. It's been great chatting. I loved it. Do you want to make more money without squeezing more patients or clients onto your schedule? If that's you, be sure to take my free class. In it, you'll learn how to bring leveraged income into your practice so you can work less, live more, and help more people than ever before. You can get signed up by going to drdanielleaton.com and click free.